With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bro, we used to go get that ball, man. Oh, yeah. Four, five, five. Kind of what, kind of what you expected. It's a disconnect. You could jump and can't run. That's a problem. That was nice. He was sipping down the line there. Uh, he's had a great field workout. Jamel Dean of uh, Auburn. Wow. Four, three, one. Considering the knee injuries he suffered throughout his 13. career, that is a beyond impressive time. Four, four, one is what he's trying to beat. Came close. Hey, went after it. He improved from four, five, zero oh, to four, four, five unofficially. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cedric Woods. Four, three, flat. Have a day, Zedrick Wood. Look at Zed. So, Daniel, you, you're saying you would go, you're going with Kyler Murray, number one overall. No, he's my 14th. Four, three, nine, nine guys. Ooh, that four, 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 no, no, he's not my 14th overall player. Oh. He's my top quarterback, but he's my 14th overall player. Okay. You have a sub 4-4. Four, four. How about that? that, so, that that's blazing there. Hey, Dion, Darnell Savage Jr. Fast turn. Four, three, nine. Oh, my good. Hey, hey, kid, shut it down. <laughs> Four, three, eight. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. Greedy on the 40 yard dash strike as well. No doubt. Bam, no luck. I am the best. Let me ask you a question. When you're a press man, what do you think is your best attribute? Your quick feet or your hands? Well, when I'm impressed, depending on who I'm going against, you know, uh, definitely feet and hands go, go together. So, you know, I think I do both of those things very well. All right, welcome back to Q&A, Episode 3, 2.0, the post-combine pre-free agency edition, along with your boy Q, I'm Joe Arrigo. And now we're getting into the defensive side of the ball with the Raiders and Q. Well, the one thing I want to talk about even before I jump into that is I think Daniel Jeremiah and my guy Charles Davis did a fantastic job, as usual. But really, Jeremiah did a really good job taking over from Mayock, who obviously became the Raiders' general manager. Um, I think Daniel Jeremiah did a really good job in terms of just the way he breaks things down, using his experience in the past as a scout, being in those types of rooms with the Ravens. I like what he brought. And then I always love CD and what he brings, not only what he brings to the table on camera, but off camera. He is one of the coolest individuals uh, I've ever had the pleasure of, of, of working with as far as having him on shows and whatnot. Um, they did a really good job of breaking things down and, and really simplifying it for viewers who haven't seen the Combine. Uh, this was their first time seeing it. No, they did. They did a really, really good job. Again, Mayock was one of my favorite guys just to watch because the way he broke things down. But Daniel Jeremiah is, is really good at what he does as well. And uh, he's definitely the go-to guy now. And he did a damn good job. And Charles Davis is always money. I mean, he always is money no matter where uh, he's at, whatever setting he's at. If it's uh, doing color commentary, if it's doing uh, you know something like the Combine, if he's at the draft, I mean, whatever it is, uh, just a conversation over to the side or whatever. I mean, he's, he's, always a, he's always a gentleman and he's always just great at what he does. And so, yeah, uh, they, they did a hell of a job. You got to give Rich Eisen a lot of credit for just kind of, uh, you know, 
steering the steering the ship, but those guys are really the star of the show. They did a hell of a job. One point two million. That's what Rick raised, I believe, this year. That's awesome. For, and and did you see what Brady tweeted out? No, I missed that. Brady actually was on IG, uh, hit Eisen and said, "Next year, come train w- with us at his TB12, whatever, mm-hmm. and you'll break your personal record. I guarantee it." Nice. NFL Network just did a fantastic job as usual covering the combine. No doubt about it. Uh, again, like I said, it's one of my favorite things to watch each and every year. But yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a hell of a job this this year, and I enjoyed it like I always do. And uh, can't wait till the next one. Really, I can't wait till Nashville. Can't wait to get down there for the draft. But uh, after that, man, I'll be looking to the combine for the next year. So yeah, man, it, it's going down. Speaking of going down and do a hell of a job, let's. I'm gonna go to the linebackers before we go to Dean Line. Man, Devin White is not your prototypical inside linebacker. He's a, he's a blend between today's inside linebacker and uh, the old-school linebacker, the way he plays. He lit it up as, you know, in my opinion, he clearly is the top inside linebacker mm-hmm. in this draft. Um, I absolutely love his game. He will be there at four. I don't know if that's a little early for him. If they traded back a couple spots, I could see that, maybe with the Giants taken around the, around the same area Roquan Smith was taken last year. I like him better than Roquan Smith, and I liked Roquan Smith a hell of a lot last year. I like I liked Roquan Smith a ton, and I think that Devin White falls in just a little under Roquan. Uh, they're both alpha dogs. They're both uh, those those field generals, and they can play they can play their tails off. I mean, they really can. You saw what Roquan did this year with the Chicago Bears, and I think Devin White has the ability to do that as well. And he's my he's my guy. Like I really really want him. Uh, actually, at, at number four, if the Raiders stick there, I either want Quentin Williams. That's my first option. I'd rather have Quentin Williams out of Alabama for multiple reasons. Devin White number two, and then Josh Allen number three. But Devin White. Uh, I, I just don't think that the Raiders are going to draft a linebacker at, at number four overall. Matter of fact, one of our mutual friends, uh, Kevin, on, yes. on Twitter. Kevin Wayne. Yeah, he, he had mentioned, he had brought up something that I had totally even blanked on and forgot about. But I know it's true. I know it's fact. And so I had to give him props on that, that, uh, you know, the, the Paul Gunther's defense doesn't go and get a linebacker that's a big time stud. And Paul Gunther has never banged the table to get a linebacker super early. Matter of fact, he's never drafted one higher than the third round. So and he's been on record of saying that he's not going to, you know, he, he's not going to go and, and get a linebacker that early. That, he, that his, It's all about his scheme, you know, stopping the run and, and his passing, uh, passing lanes and, and rushing the passing lanes. And so it's one of those situations where I don't think that. You know, uh, Devin White is going to be a guy that's that is going to be on the Raiders' big board as far as number four goes. But I sure wish they were, or I wish he was, because man, oh man, they haven't had a real deal linebacker in a very long time. I would love to see them have that dude, but I just don't think it's going to happen. But see, I, I think where he where he possibly could be. And first of all, Kevin is a great follow, very intelligent with his football analysis. Um, he breaks things down. He could tell he played or coached at some point. So. Uh, Kevin, that was a great exchange. I read it. I was reading. It. I was reading you guys talk about it earlier on uh, on Monday, and I thought it was a great exchange. And when he brought up schematically how it wasn't important, but you look at a guy like Vontez Burfitt, mm-hmm. who was who will be available. Um, C.J. Mosley's a free agent. He will be available. If one of those two guys were signed, in particular Mosley, I wouldn't like the White selection as much if they took him. At seven, right? Uh, because you're bringing in a guy like Mosley. But without that, if you traded back to seven and picked up a second or a third round pick, um, I wouldn't mind the white selection. To be honest with you, now uh, you have um, Williams, and then you said you had uh, White, uh, White, and then Allen, and then Allen. Yep. Um, 
I would actually, I actually have Allen ahead of Williams and right behind or right in front of White. White sandwiched in the middle. Um, I think, and, and, and Allen, who we can talk about right now, did a really, really good job um, at the combine. I mean, he ran in a 4 5 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, he tested off the charts, but he's a guy that he loves football. He could have came out last year, he had seven sacks. Comes back and plays this season, ends up having double digits, increases his value in the tens of millions of dollars as well. He's going to be a top five pick, top four pick. He's a guy that, in a lot of ways, reminds you and reminds a lot of people of Khalil Mack coming out because that's kind of what he patterned his game after. And I don't like bringing Khalil Mack into the conversation because I'm not talking about the trade, but I'm talking about style of play. That's something that the Raiders sorely lack. He's got good bend. He can get around the corner. He's a guy that I really like for them if he's there at four. I, I like him more than White if they decide not to trade back because he brings that pass rush element that the Raiders sorely lacked last year. No, I agree with that 100%. I just don't know, and maybe you can you can uh, add your two cents to it and and, and uh, you know put it to rest what you think it is or whatever, or you, or you can answer this question. I don't exactly know what his defined – position is going to be in the league you know what i'm saying like i don't know if he's a linebacker i don't know if he's an edge he's kind of and i hate to use the word he's kind of that tweener dude you know what i mean he's not really uh, a defined position in the nfl just because of his size he just you just don't know if he's going to be just a pure edge rusher or if he's going to be a guy that you can drop in coverage you just kind of don't know and so that's my only hang up with josh allen besides that everything else is is really good i'm just confused not confused i'm just uh, not sure exactly how an NFL team is going to use them, and that's been the hang-up that I've heard a lot of people talk about. Well, again, I, I've been told by people that he reminds them a lot of Khalil Mack. That's where the comparison comes from. Mm-hmm. And Mack could put his hand in the dirt and come at the quarterback, or he could stand up. Um, I think it's what you want him to do. It just depends on, you know, again, your D coordinator. I mean, you look, you look at various D coordinators, they adjust their scheme in a lot of ways to the talent that's around them. Um, has Gunther ever had an edge rusher like uh, like a Allen in his career as a D coordinator in Cincinnati? Uh, that's a good question. I have to definitely go back and and I'm not so well versed on Cincinnati day to day what their what their defensive ends look like. Uh, uh, what do they I mean, have? I mean, they got Charles Dunlap. Johnson when yeah. they when they went and got him from the Panthers, right? Um, that'd be the that's the first one that comes to mind. But uh, they've always had great interior rushers, Geno Atkins. You know, that he's the first one that comes out. But and I'm not saying you don't go after an interior guy because uh because you have Mo Hurst and Jelly Ellis and PJ Hall. If Williams is the highest rated guy on their board and they feel he's the best guy, go get him. It just doesn't matter what position he plays. Go get him if that's the guy you feel is gonna be the most impactful for you this year. I think he's the most impactful in the draft. I'm just, I'm, I'm all 100%. If I had the number one overall pick, I would pick him. That's just, that's just me though. Wow. I I think he is very much uh, similar to Daryl Russell back in the day with the Raiders. I think he's, uh, you know, I think he's one of those guys. I think he can be uh, just such an impact from the interior and something that Mike Mayock had said uh, on Wednesday when he did his little, his press conference, when he opened up the combine, he said that most of the quarterbacks he's talked to said that they hate getting pressure up the gut. The the stuff off the edge is okay because they can step up, but that stuff up the gut really, really bothers them. And I just think that Quentin Williams could be that dude. So if I had an option and I was the number one overall pick, if I had that pick, I'd pick him number one. That, But again, that's just me. Wow. 
think that goes to what I said earlier about beating beating the hell out of the guards. That's yep. the way you win football games. Yep. I, I I would go with Bosa, and and I just think that there's something about him a lot like his brother. Uh, I mean, the bloodline. Um, he's a guy that just eat, breathe, sleeps football. Um, I think he made a smart business decision by shutting it down in September after he tore an abductor in his stomach, an abductor muscle, um, or an ab muscle, whatever. He's a guy, though, that, that I think you can do a lot with. He, and he reminds me, and, and Charles Davis said it, uh, a lot of, of Chris Long, yeah. Howie Long's son. Yeah, he said um, that. You can, and I think at, in certain, with certain types of fronts, it, I could see you maybe moving him inside to, to, to come up quick and beat a guard and beat the center. I mean, you could do a lot of different things with him. You could do a lot of – you could run a, a, a two a, – a two you know, if you're going to an odd front or even if you run a two-man front with more backers and safeties, which you're going to see a lot of in the NFL going forward, um, you, you know, in, in sub-packages. He's a guy that I think he can do that. Um, he'd be my number one overall pick. You know, especially if I had that need, you know, up front like the Raiders do. Um, but it's not that I don't like Williams. I, I think he's a monster. I think he's one of the, again, the four best players in this draft. Uh, if, they, if the Raiders took him, I would have no qualms with it just because of he's so dominant. And I don't expect him to go hard every single play. And that's one of the things that maybe I and people can get pissed off at me about. But, Q, to be honest with you, when you look at D linemen, those guys are on the field. The, the really good ones are on the field three downs. Right. There's no way in hell they're going to be able to go hard all three downs. So there's going to be times they're going to take a playoff. They just, if they could stand the guy up and kind of just push him back a little versus, you know, kind of collapsing the pocket versus, you know, creating pressure but collapsing a little bit, making him uncomfortable, that sometimes is a win. Um, but he's, he's a guy that is so dominant – I agree with you. Um, I I just I would go Bosa one. Um, he didn't do anything in this to disappoint me. You know, as far as me watching him work out on Sunday, uh, there was nothing that was disappointing to me when during his workouts. Um, I but I still think he's the best player in the draft. Nothing changed my mind from the beginning of you know, last college football season until now. No, and I understand that. And that's a lot of people have him at number one. And I, I totally get that. And he's been the consensus number one dude for the longest time until this whole Kyler Murray situation started coming up and popping up. But he's been the guy that everyone says, oh, he's going to go number one overall. I'll tell you one reason that I kind of crossed him off my list. And it probably is not a good idea, but I did it anyway. And I'm just going to admit straight up why I did it. Uh, I just don't trust his family. I really don't. I don't trust the Bosa family. I didn't like what, uh, you know, his pops, how he kind of interfered with the Chargers and, and them getting Joey signed. And I just, I didn't like the whole way that everything kind of shook out. And, you know, sometimes you get them fathers and those families that are too, too involved, too involved in what's going on. And I just feel like that, that family is a little crazy. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of uh, uh, Charger guys, uh, Charger friends of mine, not players, but, uh, you know, Charger fans that have said, man, that dude was really a, an issue, you know, and, and I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know if I trust him a lot. So there's, there's a, there's a, like a character flaw with the whole family, in my opinion. They're just kind of crazy, in my opinion. But again, it, it's just my opinion. And that's kind of what I'm rolling with. Okay, so now, you know, a what if question. Uh, let's say Cardinals take Murray one. Let's say the 49ers throw a curveball and take Williams two. And the Jets go ahead, throw everybody a curveball, 
trade with the Giants. The Giants jumped the Raiders to take Haskins at three. Raiders sitting there. You got Bosa at four. What do you you do? You pass on him? I mean, I think that at that point, if he happens to fall to four, I think you just have to take him because it would just be silly not to. Similar to what the Texans did with Davion Clowney when they had the number one overall pick. It was almost one of those situations where you got to take him. You know what I mean? It's like you have to take this dude. They might not even have been 100% sold. He was the best guy in the draft. But it was almost like you have to take this guy. He's so damn good. You have to take him. And I just think that Nick Bosa has shown enough and enough ability. I mean, he did cut his season short. Like you mentioned, he made a business decision and cut his season short. We're going to start seeing a lot more of that. If, if you know, if people don't already know that, we're going to see a lot more of that moving forward. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem with that part of it. I just, like I said, man, I just don't get a good vibe. And that's what it's really about with me, man. It's, it's vibe and gut feeling when it comes to certain people. And I just don't get a good vibe or a gut feeling when it comes to, to Nick Bosa. But I think that with the need that the Raiders have, as far as the edge rusher goes, it would really come down to, okay, are you going to take Nick Bosa? Or are you going to take Josh Allen? You know, if you, if Quentin Williams is already off the board, like you mentioned. So I think that they'd have to go with Nick Bosa and I would be okay. I'd, I'm sure I'd get over it and have no problem with it, especially once he gets a couple sacks back-to-back or whatever, you know, has a couple big games, then it's like, oh, this dude's cool. But, you know, for the most part, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I worry about injuries and I worry about uh, his family. And that that's just, that's that's me with Nick Bosa. Okay, another another one. I was going to stay on this for a minute. Murray won. Let's say the 49ers throw everybody for a loop and take DK Metcalf two. The Jets take Allen three because they already have interior pass rush. And that leaves... Or they trade back, so let's say they, they pass it. You have Williams and Bosa on the board. I know you say Williams, but how pissed off would you be if they took Bosa over Williams? I don't think I'd be pissed off. I would prefer Williams over Bosa, but I wouldn't be pissed off because still you're getting a, a top-tier guy that everyone's expecting to go number one or was was expecting to go number one overall for the most part of the year. Uh, I'd be pissed off if they jumped up and had like Ed Oliver at that spot. You know what I mean? Like That would make me mad, and I think Ed Oliver is a hell of a talent, but I, at the same time, I would be pissed off if Bosa was there, Quentin Williams was there, and they said, you know what, we're going to trick everybody and go Ed Oliver. That would piss me off. That would make me angry. That would be a Colton Miller, Derwin James type situation for me all over again. Yeah, that would be the, in my equivalent of Bonnie Holiday getting taken over Randy Moss. Right. The only time I ever lost my crap in in a, yeah, I lost my shit that draft. I, I cursed out Ron Wolf more than anybody could imagine. I still curse him for that pick. Anyway, oh, bad childhood memories. Well, I'll um, tell you right now. I mean, on the same in the same vein. Look, the Raiders took Fabian Washington and let Aaron Rodgers go. So there you go. Well, yeah, you know, and it, the funny Raider wise, the one that I didn't understand and I hated, and I, and I told, I told again, I go to TQ. We mention him in every show. Uh, we were talking, and I was like, man, like I would take Adrian Peterson or Calvin Johnson number one. I'm not taking Jamarcus Russell. I go, I don't see it with him. He just he looks like a slob. Right. And oh, you're, you know, at first it was like, man, you're crazy. He can throw a ball 70 yards, 80 yards, big arm. Man, that's Raider football right there, cuz. That's Raider football. Man, fast forward to during the season last year, we had a conversation that I brought it up, and he was like, look, bruh, quit bringing up old shit. <laughs> right? We don't, we don't mention Jamarcus Russell in this household. 
So that's real. That's, I respect that. <laughs> so I mean, I, I feel you. That's one of those. Was like, uh, in fact, who was it? Um, Lance Zerline uh, asked the question: hey, What is the one draft pick that you were so sold on that you were him being a great pro and being that guy end up being a flop? Who was that for you? Oh man, that's a real and, and, and not, not, not even non Raiders, just just prospect, not even just Raider related. Oh well, I, I look, I I don't care as, as as much for other teams as I care for the Raiders, but I will say uh, I thought that that just recently, matter of fact, when the Redskins went and they drafted uh, a homeboy out of TCU, the wide receiver out of TCU, uh, damn it, uh, now I forget his name. Teron Boykin was the quarterback, and he was always throwing – oh, Josh Doxson. He was always throwing the ball to Josh yeah. Doxson. I always thought he was going to be really sticking good. When the Redskins drafted him, I was like, man, I was at the draft, and I told my buddy, who is a Redskins fan, I was like, man, that's a hell of a pick. And he's like, I don't know, man. He just really got jump balls for TCU. And I said, I know. He's another weapon for Kirk Cousins. And, well, he just never worked out that way. And he's still there, but he's not very good. Um, that was definitely one of them for me. Uh, Raider-wise, though, I'll tell you, I thought Michael Huff was going to be a stud. Uh, and Michael Huff just ended up being okay. You know, he wasn't he wasn't all that, and uh, that really made me kind of angry. Uh, Jamarcus Russell, I think everybody thought he was going to be good. As far as Raider fans, they thought he was going to be the quarterback that, you know, could throw the ball out of the damn stadium from one knee, even though that means that you're down. But uh, whatever, we didn't think about that. But I think a, a lot of Raider fans fell for the banana in the tailpipe when it came to Jamarcus Russell, and most will, won't want to admit that right now, but I don't have no problem saying that I thought he was going to be good too. But, yeah, just like TQ, uh, he's not talked about in my house either. <laughs> I think for me, just in general, uh, was um, Taylor Mays from USC. Yeah, yep. I, I thought I thought Taylor was going to be just a monster. Um, watching him play, um, watching everything that he that he did at SC. I mean, I had SC people saying, "Joe, he's the next Ronnie Lott." I mean, at his size and what he does. And, and I was like, well, he's stiff-hipped, right? He wasn't. And, nah, it's just, it's, he's just different, you know. And obviously Taylor didn't have the career that uh, that many thought that he was going to have. Uh, Raider-related, I'm going to sound I'm going to sound a little uh, – it's going to sound like, eh, because he ended up having a decent career, was Robert Gallery. Uh. I, really, I really wanted the Raiders to draft Sean Taylor. I am – and I'll say, you know – Bias aside, I am Sean Taylor outside of Deion Sanders and Leroy Butler. I'm his. I was his biggest fan. I thought when Sean Taylor was was alive and playing at Miami and at with the Redskins, I thought he was the best defensive player in the NFL. I thought he was the best safety in the NFL. I thought he was a Hall of Famer in the waiting. He was trending that way before he was tragically murdered, um, and. Imagine the Raiders with him and not Robert Gallery, who they drafted to play left tackle, moved him to right tackle, then had to kick him inside the guard where he was productive, but he wasn't Sean Taylor. No, he wasn't even Robert Gallery. He wasn't even the dude that he was supposed to be, the guy he was drafted for. No, you're right. That And Sean Taylor, man, everything you said he was projected to be, he absolutely was on a collision course with all of that. That dude was the best defensive player in the league at the time. He was going to the Hall of Fame. He was that dude. I mean, man, he was – he was the best player on a team full of best players. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that guy was an absolute monster. Rest in peace, Sean Taylor. Hate the the way his tragic or his life ended tragically. But, uh, yeah, man, he, he was the guy. I'll say with Robert Gallery, I was pissed off that they didn't draft Larry Fitzgerald. 
I mean, I, he was the very next pick. Yeah. The very next pick. And look, Larry's still playing. Where's Robert? Robert's somewhere milking cows. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? He, yeah. Larry Fitzgerald would have been an absolute monster in the silver and black. And look, he's still playing on the same freaking team. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Yeah, and Rob, but Robert Gallery sure did have that good hair. Jesus. Yeah, he had tattoos. <laughs> he looked like a damn Raider. He looked like a Raider, but he didn't play like a Raider. He was, man, he looked like Tarzan and played like Jane. Okay, so so let's go to another linebacker that, that blew up the combine that doesn't that hasn't played like Jane in, at the college level at all, Devin Bush from Michigan. Yep. He, that dude, if the biggest knock on him is that he's 5'11", which honestly is Ray Lewis's height, dude, this is a guy late in the first round, if you can get your hands on him, if he's still there, he's that middle linebacker that could come up, thump you, and he could turn around and cover because the guy's got loose hips. And again, bloodlines, his dad played in the NFL as well in the 90s. This is just, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that, that, that Devin Bush is being knocked because he's 5'11 and change when all he does is produce. I can see that. I can see Devin. I like Devin Bush a lot, too, and he did some good things at the Combine and kind of backed up the fact that he should be one of the top linebackers uh, considered in this draft. And honestly, I see a lot of projections that have him towards the end of the first round. That would be awesome, too. If you can't go get Devin White, I'd be okay with Devin Bush. <laughs> I would absolutely be okay with that. I mean, hell, you want to really get wild, man, and this would just be wild, but it, it's not going to happen. I wouldn't mind seeing the Raiders go and get Devin White early and double up with Devin Bush later. I mean, you got two two out of three linebackers positions filled. You know what I mean? Like, you would already have a couple monsters out there, and you figure out, again, you'd figure out how to play them and where to play them. And like you said, really good defensive coordinators will use the, the talent that they have and put them in, in the right position to succeed. That would be uh, – I wouldn't have no problem with that. I know it's not going to happen, but if you, you don't get a linebacker, if you miss out on C.J. Mosley in free agency and you don't go get Devin White, I wouldn't mind getting Devin Bush at the end of the first round. I think he's – I think he's really, really quality player, and and he's going to do some big things. And uh, you know, Michigan and John Harbaugh. I mean, they or Jim Harbaugh. Excuse me. They put out they put out NFL players every single year. I mean, hell, Mo Hurst is along that uh, defensive line for the Raiders right now. I would definitely not have a problem seeing Devin Bush right there at that linebacker position. Well, I would say, and I thought you were going to say, I'd have no problem have them taking Williams at four, Bush, uh, Bush at twenty four. Uh, Greedy Williams at at twenty seven and trading eight for AB with thirty thirty five. <laughs> I mean, look, I I ain't mad, man. Look, the, I think that the defense really needs to be addressed in this draft, especially when, like we mentioned early, that you know the draft or the the defensive side of the ball is very very. Uh, there's a lot of talent there in this up, upcoming draft, so. I think that that needs to really be addressed and taken advantage of if possible. Look, if they were to get Quentin Williams at number four and they can get a guy like Devin Bush at number 24, that's cool. I think that they get one offensive guy in the first round. I do do think that. But, again, it all depends on what the Raiders do with Antonio Brown, what they give up for him. And, again, I do think that they're going to trade for him. So they'll probably give up something. Who knows what that's going to be. But I'd be okay with that. I don't know about Greedy Williams, man. You know, the thing about him, as much as I like him and I love his name as a, as a defensive back and DBs win games and as a guy who played defensive back, like that's, that's just that's the best position ever as far as I'm concerned. Because it is my position, and it's the only thing I ever played. But it's cool. Uh, I I just 
I don't know, man. He's always getting injured, and he never even finished the combine. Like, he, he got through some of the drills, but then he started cramping up, and that has been his whole history at LSU. He plays, he performs, and then he gets injured. Then he plays, and he performs, and he gets injured. He play, Man, I just – that bothers me. If I'm looking at a defensive back in the first round, I'm probably looking at a guy like DeAndre Baker out of Georgia, but, man, he's going to be – he's going to go off the board pretty high. I, if I'm going DBs, and I love Greedy, and the only guys we hear in a minute – uh, Greedy's comments at the podium the other day uh, when he talks about himself. But the guy you really need to watch is Byron Murphy from Washington. UW has put out some really good DBs in recent years. Yep. Uh, this guy has the height, weight, speed. He's a playmaker. Uh, he's versatile. He's tall. He's long. Um, he's just the dude. Um, I also like DeAndre Baker. Um, I, I just I think Murphy's that guy. He just, I think he. I actually think, and I'll go on record. I think Murphy's going to be the first corner taken off the board in this in this draft. Um, I think Greed. I think Greedy's going to slide. I think Baker will be the second corner. But I think Murphy, with everything that he brings to the table, uh, I think he's going to be the first corner taken in this draft. And for whatever reason, it's just a gut feeling. I kind of felt that way the last the last two or three weeks. Um, just watching his film and watching him move and being around Sidney Jones and, and Kevin King and Buda Baker, like this guy was a part of that group. Um, he, he got a chance to learn behind these guys. Sidney would have been the first corner, first or second corner taken if he didn't tear his Achilles on the last rep of his pro day a couple years ago. Philly got him into steal in the second round, I believe. Uh, he's got to stay healthy, but he's coming back from that. And mind you, I'm biased because I've known Sydney since he was eight years old. Then you got Kevin King, another guy. He's been kind of injury plagued uh, with the Packers, but again, playmaker corner. And then Buda Baker made the Pro Bowl as a rookie, as a special teams player. This guy falls in the same line. Um, he's a guy that I think in today's NFL again fits the bill, checks all the boxes. Um, I really like Byron Murphy, but let's let's let's, let's finish off with the linebackers real quick, and we'll get to DBs and then D tackles. Um, Gary Johnson, linebacker from Texas, down your way. He lit up the combine. What I like most about Johnson, besides what I see on film, is this is a guy I think fit, that fits the Raiders, what they're looking for as in a linebacker, because the dude loves football. Mm-hmm. The dude, the dude was in foster care the majority of his life. He's a real dude. Literally, he's a real dude. What his story is a real story. It is not a story. That is um, one of those where you're kind of um, – um, it's not one of those things where you hear it and it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a heartfelt story. No, this is the real deal. This dude's been through a lot of hardships in his life, and he's the type of guy that will come in and I think immerse himself in Raiders culture and be a Raider his entire career and be a guy that fans will just love. I agree. He's a he's a hell of a player. And what he did at the Combine really just kind of solidified that. He was one of those guys that what he did at the Combine made me feel good about, okay, he's going to be a, a real deal player because, one, got to see a lot of them. Obviously, uh, I'm here in Big 12 country, and obviously UT plays in the Big 12. And so I got to see a lot of him, and he could play. And then going to see the what he did and put up the numbers he put up at the Combine, it just kind of said, all right, yeah, 
That's for sure. What I saw him do on the field is just backed up with the athleticism that he showed off at the combine. And uh, yeah, I think that he's going to be a, a real animal. Everything that he gets in life, he's going to appreciate because of everything that you just mentioned. He's not going to be one of those guys that just feels like, oh yeah, I've arrived, I've made it. No, I mean, with what he's had to deal with in his life, his real deal issues that he's got to deal with, I mean, man, or, or had to deal with and, and had to overcome, he will appreciate every single thing that he ever gets. He will not take it for granted. And he's going to, I believe, in my opinion, going to continue to work, 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 and work some more to even get better. And so that's the that's the real shine on him, where I think that whoever gets him is going to get a hell of a player, a hell of a linebacker, and a guy who's going to be a staple on that team for years to come. I, I like him, dude. Like after I really researched the story, he's the guy that makes it he makes it easy to root for. Yep. And um, I, I just I love the what he I love what he does. And there's another guy. He put up freakish numbers at Florida State. He put up really interesting combine numbers, really good combine numbers. I think he has the best hands of any linebacker, and he could probably play tight end in the NFL. That's Florida State's Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. This he's another guy that in top fifteen teams. If you want an edge rusher, that I I look at him as a backer more than this hand down. He, he him and Josh Allen are kind of to me really similar in in a sense of are like what you asked earlier. Do you want him with his hand down in the dirt or do you want him standing up? He's a pass rush extraordinaire, and he's a guy that you know I know past Florida State people. There's been some guys that have kind of been similar to him that haven't panned out. I think he's different. I think he's an athletic freak that can get to the quarterback. I agree. No, I agree. Brian Burns is a hell of a player. Uh, I got a buddy that works at the radio station with me who's a Florida State grad, so he's always putting these Florida State guys in my ear. And, uh, man, he's high on Brian Burns. He's very high on Brian Burns and thinks that he can do just about anything he wants and is very similar, like you mentioned, to Josh Allen. He just might not be getting the notoriety because Florida State didn't have a very good year. I mean, they just didn't have yeah. a very good year. Willie Taggart did not do a very good job his first season. Matter of fact, my buddy is trying to get rid of him. He's like, man, get Willie out of town. He is awful. So, uh, yeah, that, that's how bad it is right now for Florida State alums. So uh, that's the really only reason I think that he's kind of flying under the, under the radar because when's the last time a Florida, guy, a Florida State guy actually flew under the radar? It's very rare that it ever happens. But because of the season they had, I don't think he's getting the notoriety that he should be getting. But, yeah, he's a hell of a player as well. Again, uh, this, this draft, very defensive and you can get defensive players throughout the whole draft and get a real deal player. And so that's what makes it so exciting for me. Okay, we already talked about Williams being your favorite D lineman. Um, who's your next guy that you really dig and you're really into? On the defensive line, um, I mean, I, I would say Josh Allen on the defensive line, but like I said, I would go linebacker second and I'd go Devin White. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, just Q Williams, man. He's just I just think he's such a stud. And I swear every time I see him, I see Daryl Russell. And Daryl Russell, uh, unfortunately, he's not uh, living with us anymore either. Jeez, uh, man. Uh, how many people have we brought up on the podcast that don't have that aren't alive anymore? Good God. Man, you know, too too many. There was a tragic man. car accident, too, that ended his life. Yeah. Um, I remember him in college, man, and 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 God, it, it, he was such a man-child. Yep. And, um, Brought the same fiery passion to the silver and black. Um, that was that was one that hurt. Remember he that was, was playing. The, that was the ones that hurt. Remember when he was playing alongside Chester McLaughlin? 
Man, those yes. those two dudes, him and Chester, is kind of like what Mo Hurst and him could be. You know, Mo Hurst and and, uh, and Quentin Williams could be that that interior rush could just be oh, it could be nasty. Uh, but Chester and Daryl were were pretty awesome. And yeah, rest in peace to actually rest in peace to both those guys. Jesus, yeah. Why do I keep bringing man. up? All, man, I got a problem. I gotta quit. <laughs> okay, a guy that stood out to me, D Lyman, and and I I don't know if you can stand them up as well, but I know I, I like them. Montez Sweat. Mm, he was good at Mississippi State. He was, but a lot of th- what I saw from him at the combine, um, he—I I feel like he was a little stiff. I felt like he wasn't comfortable. Maybe it was the setting. So what? I—I I feel like I mean his 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 forty was great. His forty was awesome, but his drills—he looked uncomfortable. He looked like he was not not comfortable with the setting. He felt like, or he looked like he was, he was stiff. I know he did well at the senior bowl. He did a really good job at the senior bowl. Uh, John Gruden talked about him a few times coming out of that, but I don't know. I thought as far as Mississippi state goes, I thought Jonathan Simmons was the much better player, but he tore his ACL recently. So he's going to obviously drop in, in the draft, but I thought Jonathan Simmons was the dude from Mississippi state. But there's okay. There's character questions with him though. Right. Like with, with Jonathan Simmons, there's big time care. The guy, uh, even though he got cleared of everything, but I mean, there still was, there's still major character questions that some teams in the top half of the draft may may not work. You know, he's rejected to go top fifteen, but he should be a top five guy. But he was going to slip because of character questions. Albeit, he hasn't had those questions since he's enrolled in college. It happened his senior year in college or senior year in high school. But he is. It was just one of those things where it was. Um, it was kind of, um, um, I was kind of like, okay, like, uh, I agree, but, I mean, um, he said, you know, well, not he said, you're looking at Sweat's numbers, do 4 4 21 reps on the press, 36 vertical jump, 125 uh, broad jump, or 125-inch broad jump, 7-second 3-cone drill, and 4-2-9 shuttle. Like, those and he's got thirty-five and three-quarter inch arms at six-six two sixty. Like I, I, man, this is a guy. Again, I think he he's made a lot of money. He's going to go mid middle part of the draft. He's a guy between that. Again, Raiders trade back that, that I'd say that ten to twenty range. He fits right in there. He could slide to twenty-four. That could be he again. Uh, there there could be a guy if you wanted to go Williams and Sweat. Now you again you got action, boss. Yeah, I, I would take him at the end of the first round. I just wouldn't take him early in the first round. And, and I, I know a lot of people after the combine are projecting him to go super early in the first round, and I wouldn't pick him there. And, again, I, I was talking about Jeffrey Simmons. I don't know why I said Jonathan, but I think everybody with a J is Jonathan to me at this point of the day. But, uh, yeah, it was it was Jeffrey Simmons. But, yeah, you bring up a lot of points about, you know, what happened to him in high school. And, uh, unfortunately, like I said, he tore his ACL. I think that's a guy who's going to go at the end of the first round, maybe early second round as well, just because he's a hell of a player. But, uh, Sweat, I'd be comfortable taking him at the end of the first round. Like, with that 27th pick, I'd be comfortable with that. I just wouldn't be comfortable at, like, I don't know, 8 or 9 or, or 12. or I, I just I, – I'd much rather get him at the end of the, the first round. It's just like I said, there were certain things that I saw him do that I wasn't 100% comfortable with, and I didn't think he was. But then again, a, a lot of people don't actually shine at the combine because, well, they know the whole world's watching. They know all those scouts are there. They, I mean, it's, it's a different setting. Uh, they're they're not used to you know their surroundings and so sometimes they get a little nervous. I get that it's a huge job interview. So maybe at his pro day he shines a little bit more and then okay that justifies him being a you know top fifteen pick. But for me right now I look at him and I think the end of the first round, early second round. 
well, Rashawn Gary made himself some money. And he's a guy that probably can go early. Where's his production? Where's his production at, though? That's a great question. And I'll say this. He's a guy that's been on record and saying he wants to play next to Mo Hurst again. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. But I want to know where his his production is. I mean, look, I can make the argument. I know you brought up Harbaugh. I can make the argument that Harbaugh has not only underachieved at Michigan, and if it was anybody else, they probably would have been fired. Um, I can make the argument that other than maybe Devin Bush, Mohurst as well, I don't think there's been a Harbaugh guy that's made an impact in the NFL. I think Bush will. And her shows promise, but since Harbaugh's been at Michigan, his guys haven't made impacts in the NFL. Oh, uh, I I might be able to agree with that. I mean, he's he's uh, slightly overrated. I I can definitely agree that he's slightly overrated. Um, you know, even though you didn't really technically say that, but you know, it's kind of what you meant, and it's cool. Uh, I I definitely understand that, and he's definitely underachieved at Michigan, but you know, he's the best that they've had in a long time. So he's still putting guys into the league. That's the that's my thing, and you know, they, a lot of them haven't been super impact players. I'm trying to think of a, a Michigan guy that really shined as of late. Mo Hurst, I think he has the, uh, the chance to do it. I just don't know what Rashawn Gary is going to do as far as, like I said, just just his production just bothers me. His lack of production bothers me. I would like to see him uh, have better numbers than he has. But he's a hell of an athlete, man. He's he's a hell of an athlete. He's a monster. He definitely made himself some money. He's been mocked uh, to the Raiders multiple times by multiple different draft guys, uh, including Bucky Brooks. I know he has him at number four overall. I just don't see him in the top four. I, I just don't. But he made himself a lot of money this weekend, that's for sure. Okay, let's move to DBs. We'll go through this pretty quickly. Uh, safety, we already talked about Murphy, Baker, and Williams. Um, but safety, Jonathan Abram from, uh, I believe, Mississippi State. He's a guy that when you watch him on film, and me coaching DBs, uh, playing DB uh, in high school as well as receiver, uh, but and then in college I'm playing and playing receiver, but, but, but coaching DBs, watching him play safety – this guy is all gas, no break, takes great angles. He comes up willing to hit. Um, he's a guy that I think fits the bill in today's NFL for all safeties. And he's a guy that he's a little bit of a throwback, but he is so quick. I think he's, a, that he's an impact guy from day one on whatever team he goes to. He can play free or he can put him in the box. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the safeties that I was that I was really into. Uh, I had to rewatch them earlier on Monday. I'm trying to remember who I was a big fan of. Damn it! Uh, who? Oh, the safety. I know one safety didn't didn't participate, and he's a he's the guy that I'm really into. Is the guy from Delaware? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Adderley. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. He did well at the Senior year. Bowl. I yeah, I was really, I really started to you know turn my turn my attention to him at the Senior Bowl. I thought he did a hell of a job there and uh, got a lot of attention. And uh, I think that's a guy that John Gruden and, and Mike Mayock may may target uh, early second round or, or or late first round as well. Uh, but that's really, I think that's the, like the biggest safety uh, in, in my mind. I know there's the uh, the Rock Sin uh, from from Temple, but he's a corner, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Rocky Sin. Yeah, I like him too. One, I love his name. I think he's awesome. I think that'd be just just a great name to be a Raider. But uh, he he's really? also a hell of a player. Uh, he's an old Matt Rule dude, and uh, Matt Rule, who's currently the head coach at Baylor, uh, John Gruden's been on record and saying that he's a uh, he would he would 
if he could draft a Matt Rule, one Matt Rule player every single year, he would because they got the toughness and they know how to play. And so I think that uh, Rocky Hassan would be really good uh, as far as a corner as well. I, I kind of look at him as, as a guy that, that I would see the, see the Raiders targeting at some point. I like Darnell Savage from Maryland, another safety. Mm-hmm. He's today's little smaller, about 5'10", 5'11", could play a little nickel. He ran a, he's, he ran like a 4-3-3, I believe. Um, he, so he, he can move. Um, he's a guy that I think, in watching him play, because was willing to come up and hit, can cover. The best player on Maryland's defense last year, maybe the best player on their team, um, he was doing everything for him. Uh, he's a guy, but then again, you have a Carl Joseph there who the Raiders reportedly will pick up his fifth-year option. Um, you have a smaller corner. You may want to have someone a little bit taller there. Right. Um, and someone that can get kind of a little, little more rangy. Um, so I don't know how he fits there, but he's a guy that I really like. And then um, a name that I like, and I'm going to say this because um, I've watched him in high school, and I thought USC played him out of position that corner is Biggie Marshall. I think he's more of a free safety type. Yeah. Um, I think he's a little tight in the hips, but he's a playmaker when the ball's in the air. He's a guy that I think will move to safety at the NFL level, and he'll be a guy that can go get the ball um, and go make plays. Uh, I can see that. I can definitely see that. And I know that he did a hell of a job at the Combine uh, on Monday and uh, got to see him. Like I said, I had to rewatch that because I was at, at the job when they were actually going through the through it live, but uh, still had to rewatch it. And uh, yeah, that I can see I can see that uh, that being a scenario and, and that being a guy that would be ideal for the Raiders to go get. Uh, I think they have a few options, really. Honestly, I think depending on how the board falls, I think they have a few options of guys that would fit in that Paul Gunther mold. You know, guys like a Reggie Nelson that's not Reggie Nelson. You know, it's it's time to kick Reggie Nelson down the down the street. He's the old can that you need to kick down the street and just never bring him back. Uh, that's that's the man. Raider Nation will celebrate the minute that Reggie Nelson is no longer near a silver and black uniform or a locker room in Alameda or any of that. Nobody wants to see Reggie Nelson anymore. So let's uh, let's find a guy that could be that dude that uh, Paul Gunther is looking for, that guy who can make plays in center field, the guy who can be an eraser at the back end and uh, and move on from from that old cat and uh, Reggie Nelson. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break, come back with our new game, and it's going to be a new, uh, a new part of our show called Factor Fiction. We're going to run through uh, some things that are being said to tell you if it's fact or it's fiction, and uh, that includes some free agency talk. Uh, you're listening to Q&A right here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. And now here's Nick Bosa live. 44 first time, and a little bit better this time. That'll work. And the simulcam showed him against his brother, 165 split, and uh, he ran faster than his brother, which I think is perhaps one of the things he's looking for out of the combine. Yeah. Little brother. Here's Nick Bosa doing the exact same thing. And when I watched him, I kept something kept nagging me. Nobody looks like a lot in drills besides his brother Joey. Chris Long. Speed and skill is what they're looking for. In the NFL, we've seen the same thing. You gotta be able to Josh Allen betters his time by six one hundredths of a second, so that's a nice time of four six four. That's in that sweet spot you were talking about. Monte Sweat. Now this is unofficial, but that's a record if it is official. Four four two. If you could build a defensive end body and skills, this is it. This is what you're looking for. Four six. I mean, it's uh, it's insane. Great, great football player. He's an awesome leader. Ooh. 
before Moses Malone. <laughs> this could be a fast one. Leading tackler for the Longhorns this season. 4-4-3. That's the best burst we've seen by a Longhorn since Bevo at the Bull Day. Hello. That's that's six oh four three six four and a half two hundred and seventy seven pounds. Wow, 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 wow! Welcome back to Q and A with your boy Q and me, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. All right, Q. So we got this new game. I don't say it's a game. It's a new thing for all of all all the Raider Nation to get involved in with us. It's called Factor Fiction. What we're going to do is we're going to play this sound coming up, and then. We're going to answer questions that were sent to us and tell you if it's fact or fiction. Here we go. You are about to enter a world where the line between fact and fiction is almost imperceptible. Fact or fiction. live in a world where the real and the unreal live side by side, where substance is disguised as illusion and the only explanations are unexplainable. Can you separate truth from fantasy? Okay, Q, more Derek Carr trade talk. Is Derek Carr getting traded? Fact or fiction? Uh, that would be fiction. Okay, I'm going to say fiction as well. With the caveat, they have to be blown away. If someone blows them away, a team like the Giants, Washington, or Miami, blow them away with, with first-round picks, I'll say at least two, and a, a second or third-round pick this year, I could see them doing it then. Unless they do that, they ain't going anywhere. That's why I kept it short and sweet, because I just figured that no team's going to go and throw a boatload of picks at them or a boatload of assets at them, and so I don't think that it's, it's any anywhere close to being a, a reality. That's why I called it fiction, and I did it so as a matter of factly. Now, let's just say, hypothetically, he was traded. Is Nick Foles the answer to come in as a starting quarterback? Um, How would I answer that fact or fiction? Or should I just answer that hell no? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean that, that is absolute fiction if you're saying that Nick Foles would be the answer. That is absolutely false. That is fiction. That is not true. Nick Foles was good for a short period of time with Philadelphia, and that was their run to the playoffs. He was good for a short period of time in 2018. He only played in five games. He played the first two games of the season. He wasn't very good. They made way for Carson Wentz. He played in the last three games of the season. was pretty good and led him into the playoffs. They played two games, and they got bounced. So, uh, yeah, Nick Foles, uh, he had his time to shine. He went and won his Super Bowl, but uh, as far as being the leader of men and being the guy to, to, to lead this team, that's absolutely fiction. All right, I would agree with that. I don't think Nick Foles is the answer, and if you're asking me, it was a stupid question. Okay, here's a good one. Colin Kaepernick, a good backup to Carr in 2019. 2017, yes. 2018, possibly. 2019, no. I think that ship has sailed. Uh, but I, I was on board with it. I've been on record and saying I was on board when the Raiders had EJ Manuel, uh, when they had Connor Cook. He was better than both those cats. I would have loved to seen the Raiders go out and make that move. I know a lot of Raider fans are thinking, well, Michael Crabtree's still on the on the roster, and, and uh, Colin Kaepernick and him don't get along. You don't want that distraction on the team. All this blah, 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 blah. Yes, at one time, he was definitely the better quarterback, but now that he's been away from the game for so long, I think that that ship has sailed. Unfortunately for him, uh, I, I respect what he did. 
uh, and, and the stance that he tried to take, regardless of uh, people that agree with it or not. Again, uh, dude made a sacrifice uh, for something he believed in, and I can't, I can't knock him for that. And uh, unfortunately for him, it cost him his career. But um, yeah, that's just how it goes. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think now that it's a good time. I think that the, that ship has already sailed. I'm going fast, and I'm going to tell you why. AJ McCarron, that's why. Because you're not going to get your your backup quarterback anywhere else in this draft. You're not going to go out and spend on a backup quarterback. Colin Kaepernick makes a lot of sense. He's a mobile quarterback. He can get out and run. He can kind of do some of the things that Gruden wants to do with the offense. And let's be real. It'll be a good PR move for the Raiders in a lot of ways. He can stay in the Bay Area where he's, where he's comfortable. He's already selling silver and black Nike jerseys uh, on Nike.com <laughs> and on his website. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to come in. And look. You can't tell me there's 32 better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. You can't tell me there's 32 better starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Okay, so bringing him in, let him battle A.J. McCarron, and if he beats him out, then go ahead. I'm all for it. If he doesn't, you know what? Then nobody can say that this guy didn't get a shot. Go in there, and I think the Raiders would be the ideal team for Colin Kaepernick to come in and back up Derek Carr because guess what? The big topic of conversation isn't going to be Kaepernick. It's going to be the Raiders movie. It's going to be the lawsuit. It's going to be Las Vegas. Everything Kaepernick had to deal with and teams, the distractions teams would have to deal with, as our teams called him a distraction, would be fourth or fifth down the line of distractions, especially for the Raiders. I don't know, man. I think that that ship has sailed. I, I really do. I think that uh, his better days are behind him. I, I can agree with there's not 32 better backup quarterbacks, but at this stage of the game, I don't know. I think A.J. McCarron, I think they like him. They actually mentioned him. Mayock and Gruden both mentioned him at their at their presses at the Combine. Uh, how often do you mention a backup quarterback at a Combine? So I think that they're kind of comfortable with him. He's going to get paid about $3 million, which is kind of a lot of money for a backup. But again, if they're comfortable with him and they, they see him as a guy that can go in and fill that void if, if Carr is out, then I'm all right with it. Again, uh, I like Cap. I have no problem with him. I just think that that ship has sailed. I think they're keeping him around, AJ around because of his girl. That's just me. Brent for Brent Musburger. Man, I can't stand Brent <laughs> Musburger, man. I'll tell you that right now. And I'm not disrespecting him because I understand that he's in this this field and he's he's a hell of a guy and he does a hell of a job, but he's just not a, a real Raiders voice. He's not, you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's a guy who's earned his stripes. He's been that dude, but he's just not an identity that's identifiable to the Raiders. But, I mean, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Well, I think of him on CBS's NFL today with Irv Smith and Jimmy the Greek, when I, but that's just dating myself. Okay, right. let's go to the next Factor Fiction. We already talked about it a little bit. Factor Fiction, Antonio Brown to the Raiders prior to the season. Fact. Absolute fact. Matter of fact, he's, prior, he's, uh, he's to the Raiders prior to March 17th when he gets that signing bonus from whatever team he's on. I would agree even after Antonio Brown uh, talked to Jeff Darlington. I think you've seen a different side of Antonio Brown. And I think that at the end of the day, Antonio Brown to the Raiders makes a ton of sense. Um, should the Raiders give up a first-round pick for 
Antonio Brown fact or fiction? No, that's fiction. They should not give up a first-round pick. They should actually uh, play a poker game and play with a poker face and just say we're not going to do it. Not going to do it. The thing that troubles me about that is they gave up a third-round pick for Martavis Bryant, who was one step away from being suspended for a year. You know what I mean? Or longer. So that kind of makes me wonder exactly how, what kind of hardball are you playing with these teams out there? You know, I mean, think about this. You uh, traded Khalil Mack. You got two first-round draft picks, but then you gave up your second-round draft pick. I mean, the, the hardball that the Raiders play as far as trades go isn't that great a hardball. You know what I mean? So they really need to step their game up a little bit when it comes to trading, and this is what we're willing to offer you, and this is all we're willing to offer you, and no, you can't have this, and no, I don't care if I have three first-round picks. You're not getting one. That's what they need to tell Pittsburgh. That's what I hope they tell Pittsburgh, but I'm concerned that they might not tell them that. But in my opinion, it's it's fiction that they get a uh, they give up a first-round pick for Antonio Brown. I'm going to go fact because, I'm gonna, I, like we talked about earlier, if you would have told me or any Raider fan in the country, in the world, in the universe last year that you basically traded Amari Cooper for Antonio Brown, would you make that trade? Everybody would say yes, and they wouldn't bat an eyelash at it. That's essentially what it is. You're using Dallas's pick, 27, let's say, to bring in arguably the best wide receiver, and you got the you got the cap room. You give him a little bit bump in pay. You keep him quiet. He comes to an organization where one, he's wanted by the coach, the quarterback. Two, he loves the quarterback, and he thinks real highly of the coach. And he knows he's going to a place in a year that's got no state tax, so he's getting paid more. So at the end of the day, yes, you make that deal. Because guess what that does then? That shows other teams you're willing to bring in guys to win and bring in guys that are established superstars who probably have relationships with other superstars that wants to bring them in. So I say fact. Okay, fact or fiction. If they do not trade for Antonio Brown, the (laughs) Raiders will make a trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Fiction. It's going to cost way too much uh, capital to get Odell Beckham Jr. Even though I think that he's a hell of a wide receiver, I think he'd be a great addition to the Raiders. I think something that you brought up earlier, him in Las Vegas is a bigger issue than Antonio Brown in Las Vegas. And uh, again, I think Antonio Brown is more of a football dude than Odell Beckham Jr. is. I think Odell Beckham Jr. is definitely a football player, but at the same time, he's about his brand. He's about... I mean, it, it, they're close. They're really close. They're like a 1A, 1B situation. But at the same time, I think that uh, I think that Gruden will make a play for Antonio Brown and not Odell Beckham. I agree 100% with you. There's no way in hell OBJ dons the silver and black. Okay, next one. Factor fiction. Le'Veon Bell will be an Oakland Raider in 2019. Fiction. That is fiction. He's got too much wear and tear on his tires. It's not something that the Raiders need to bring in. Too much money he's going to want as a uh, as a free agent, and there's just no reason to go spend all that money on him. You can go spend that money on a couple dudes and, and improve your defense and your offense instead of just one position. So, uh, yeah, fiction. I'm going to say fact. They're going to bring him in, team him with Antonio Brown and Derek Carr, and the Raiders will have their big three so when they open up the new Las Vegas Stadium in 2020, they got BCB, Brown, Carr, and Bell, ready to go. Can't say CMB because, you know, there's no M in there unless, factor fiction, Marshawn Lynch comes back for the play for the Raiders in 2019 and they don't sign Le'Veon Bell. I think that that's closer to to fact than it is fiction. I think that Marshawn is going to be partial to it because they're playing in Oakland in 2019. So I think 
Uh, that's the only way that he would have come back and returned. It's all about health and it's all about com comfortableness. You know, is he comfortable with being retired and lighting a blunt with the Al Davis, uh, the Al Davis, uh, you know, <laughs> tribute torch? Uh, yeah, that's something that has not gone unnoticed, Marshawn. And, you know, I mean, Marshawn being Marshawn, is he comfortable with being that guy or does he want to get back out on the field one more time? So uh, maybe he does. Maybe he wants to go out on a high note and not go out, you know, on the injured reserve. Uh, so I would say that it's closer to fact than fiction. So if I had to pick one, I'll, I'll go with fact. As much as I want to say it's fact, I think it's fiction. I want to say fact because I want to have the CMB. I am my brother's keeper. The CMB, on and on. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Man, I would love to have that car, Marshawn, in Brown. But I think it's fiction because I think they signed Le'Veon Bell and they move forward, uh, unfortunately. Now, that leads me to really a big question. Fact or fiction, the Raiders are not going to sign any big-name free agents. And that's according to Mike Mayock, who says we want to get younger and not get older. Um, any big time free agents? I'll say that that's uh, fiction. I said I think that they'll sign at least one big time free agent, and then they'll fill holes with the rest. I think that that's smart money. I don't think it's 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 smart money just to go out and and break the bank on a bunch of free agents because you know free agents are just overpriced veterans in my opinion that somehow shook loose from their team whether their team was ready to move on from them like the patriots do a year early or two years early or in the Packers situation they they see a lack of production and well it's time to get get, get rid of this guy and move on from him so yeah I, i'll say uh i'll say that's fiction they'll sign at least one uh but that's it i would agree with that I, and i'll go on i think cj mosley is a name to definitely keep an eye on and I think Landon Collins is going to have he's going to he's going to have his choice of teams. Mm -hmm. um, and I know I know one team in particular is really really high on him, and he's made it kind of clear that's where he would like to go in a lot of ways. But I think the Raiders are going to be on that list as well. Okay, this is kind of a Raider question because he is a free agent, and he kind of fits needs the last factor fiction. Uh, Cole Beasley of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, he is a free agent, and he says he wants twenty million guaranteed. Uh, is it worth or should the Raiders kick tires on him? Fact or fiction? Um, I think that that's a fact. I think that's a guy that John Gruden would really like. I mean, I really do. I'm not a huge Cole Beasley fan, uh, but I know that he could put in work and he could be very effective when necessary. And and he wants to be a bigger part of the of an offense. That's why he uh, is not going to give Dallas a hometown discount because uh, now that Amari Cooper is part of the Cowboys, he's not going to be a big factor. He wasn't a big factor. He mentioned it a few times that most of his production came when the play broke down and he just happened to keep working and, and got open. So I think that he wants to go somewhere where he can have an impact and be a, a, a player, a, a part of the offense and be a, a, a real deal part of the offense. And I think John Gruden is going to really like a guy like Cole Beasley. So I think that they're definitely going to kick the tires and at least talk to him. I don't know if they're going to offer him the money he wants, but I think that they're definitely going to talk to him. I wanted to be six foot, 185 pounds, running a four two and, you know, modeling and acting and doing everything and playing football and baseball, living that life. Like Cole Beasley wants 20 million guaranteed. That, that didn't happen. That shit ain't happening for him. Sorry. Um, I don't see the Raiders adding him. I think you go get an Andy Isabella in the middle part of the rounds, the same type of receiver, but runs a 4-3 out of UMass and can return punts, bring him in and save money to go get guys that they feel can be impactful now Again, make a deal for an Antonio Brown or go get a Landon Collins or a Mosley or, hey, you know what? 
maybe go get a Earl Thomas instead of a Landon Collins because Earl's not giving anybody a hometown discount, and I'd rather give $20 million to Earl than I would Cole Beasley. Real quick, some housekeeping. Uh, we know that the Raiders are staying in Oakland for 2019. That's something you said you're happy about. Now that it's official, you, are you still on board with that, or do you do you wish that uh, – that it was something different. No, no, I'm 100% on board with it being in Oakland. I'm thrilled about that. That was my gut feeling that it was going to end up in Oakland. I'm glad that they are. I think that uh, the, the the fans in Oakland deserve at least one more year. Uh, I think they've given their, their hard-earned money and their, their loyalty to the team, and I know it's a business, but at the same time, they've done that. So, yeah, they deserve to have uh, one more year. It's only seven games, and I'm thrilled for it, and I guarantee that at some point – Throughout the season, uh, your boy will end up at the Oakland Coliseum celebrating with the rest of Raider Nation. I think I'm going to go this year. I know I had death threats um, when the whole relocation. Yeah, oh yeah, when the relocation thing happened, there were some people up there, and I still had them that that really threatened my life and my kids' lives. And um, yeah, it was it's pretty crazy. I but I think I'm going to go this year. Um, I may go cover it, or I may go as a fan and sit uh, sit somewhere. Um, I'm not quite sure yet. But I'm definitely heading up there this year. Um, I actually like it, um, and I want to make something clear. Um, they did get, I believe, um, in case the stadium isn't done in 2020, which I've been assured by Tommy White, the head of local 872 Labor's Union, uh, that the stadium is on pace and ahead of schedule. It should be done in July of 2020. Um but just in case they have that option to go to Oakland as well or stay in Oakland for that extra year. Um, but Tommy, again, has assured me after it snowed in Vegas last week twice that, um, that he goes, Joe, we're, we're, we're more than, we were more than prepared for this. We knew what was going to happen. Um, and I tweeted out what Tommy said to me. Um, so there's, to me, there's no problems with the stadium. Um, they actually were working the next day after it snowed. The same day they snowed that night. They were on the ground working that day. So the stadium is on on pace to to be done. And speaking of the stadium, uh, Cox Communications signed an exclusive deal uh, with the Las Vegas Stadium to be their uh, to be their uh, well, I guess their their high speed provider. Oh, okay. Um, and and I think that, and and that just shows. I mean, because there was a, there was a, a group of people that that continue uh, that continue to say, and they're not informed that Las Vegas doesn't have the corporate sponsors uh, for stadium, which is a complete false statement and they know it um and they're misleading people or they're just ill-informed and shouldn't be talking about it anyway um but this is just this is the second one that that has been brought to the table so it's a 10-year deal and it's not just for the stadium it's also for the raiders headquarters as well so uh that's huge for this that's huge for the stadium things are progressing as as you can see um and i think that you know i've seen today the very first a commercial for Caesars and the NFL talking about the talking about uh, games and whatnot on the NFL Network, and I think that's pretty big. That's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, I saw that as well, and uh, that that is very interesting. And I know that they have that partnership, and that that won't be the last one. I mean, there's going to be plenty of them, and and uh, I, I think that saying that the Las Vegas don't have any kind of corporate sponsorships or they're not going to have any corporate sponsorships is absolutely silly. It's insane. Uh, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, they're going to make money hands over fist, and it's no doubt about it. And uh, that's just somebody you know not willing to admit what's going on, and that it's a it's a good scenario for the Raiders just because uh, out of bitterness and spite. And look, that ain't no way to live your life, regardless of how you feel. I don't like the fact that the Raiders are going to Vegas, but I get it. So at some point, you just got to get over it and just got to move on. And, uh, you know, hey, they deserve a nice home, and they're going to get a nice home, and I'm excited to see it. Okay, 
what I'm going to do, how we're going to finish the show, is I'm going to go through a list of free agents that are scheduled to be available. Okay? Um, real quick, you say whether yes or no, and I'm going to say yes or no. And then next week when we do the show, next, uh, we'll do it next again next Monday, uh, your schedule per- permitted. It will be a, a heavy free agent show. Here's some free agents. Uh, Trey Flowers from the Patriots. Uh, um, will he be a Raider, yes or no? Uh, no. I would agree with that. Earl Thomas. No. Roger Saffold, the offensive guard from the Rams. Uh, no. Landon Collins, the safety from the Giants. Um, let's just flip it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he will. Haha, Clinton Dix from the Washington Redskins. Ooh, uh, I like him a lot. Uh, no, I don't think so though. Okay, I would agree. I would. I think Flowers. Actually, I'm gonna back. I think Flowers is more likely to be a Raider than any of the guys. And Haha, Clinton Dix more so than anybody. But Haha has to go back to the form he played at three years ago, not the last two years, mm-hmm. where he missed a lot of tackles. Um, and Dominican Sue. No. No, I think that ship has sailed on him as well. I think the Raiders wanted him in 2018, but no, that, that ship has sailed. I agree. Anthony Barr. Oh, man, that's really tempting. That's really tempting, but he wants a lot of money. He wants a lot of dinero. He wants a lot of fettuccine. He wants a lot of bread. Uh, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I, I think he's going to get that Skrilla somewhere else. My man Williams, the receiver from the Chargers. Tyrell Williams. Tyrell, yes. Uh, yeah, I think he will. I think that there's a good uh, there's a good chance that the Raiders go after him pretty hot and heavy, take away from the Chargers like you mentioned before. And uh, not only that, uh, he's a hell of a receiver that's kind of kind of flying under the radar unless you really pay attention to the AFC West. I agree. A Golden Tate. No, I would like him though. I, I I would like his attitude. I am not gonna lie. I would love his attitude and his not giving a damn about anything. Just his little approach. I would like that. I think that the Raiders need that kind of toughness on his team, on the team. But I, I don't think that they're gonna bring him in as well. I will say no because for two reasons. One, the slot receiver's price tag is going to be enormous this year for guys like like Tate that's that productive. And two, I'll be. I love his attitude on the field. Keep your wives and girlfriends away from him in the <laughs> locker room. And um, so that answer to me is a hard pass. Um, Randall Cobb. No, nah, he's he's too banged up and too injured. And you know what I mean? Like, he, nah, nah, nah. Raiders definitely pass on him. I'm going to say yes. And he'll cut, he would come in as a fourth receiver if they don't pick up a slot receiver. He's the type of guy that can get open and fight, sit down in the zones and third on, on third down. He's worked with Edgar Bennett. Jordy Nelson's there. I think that would be a really good fit. Uh, for a year, be a one year with the second year option, you know, uh, type team option or you know, you know, type deal that they did with Nelson. I think it's going to be. I'll I'll do the same thing with Cobb if I were them. Lamarcus Joyner. Oh, he's a hell of a safety. Oh man, uh, he's going to be looking for a, a big time payday as well. So I'm going to have to pass on that one. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, again, I talked about it earlier. I think that when you look at the Raiders, they already have a smaller type safety in Carl Joseph. Uh, Lamarcus Joyner's only five eight. Um, he's a new. He's a, the honey badger type, nickel type guy. They need length and on the back end if they're going to keep Joseph for that fifth year, like they want to. Dante Fowler from the Rams. Uh, no, Dante Fowler, you got to pass on him. I don't think he's ever going to live up to the hype when he was drafted. Uh, the expectations that the Jaguars had on him when they took him what third overall. I just don't. Uh, yep. I just don't see it. I, I know he had a little bit of production with the Rams, but that was a little bit of production with the Rams. I think he stays in L.A. for another year or two. I think they give him a short term deal. I think somebody breaks the bank for him this year, and I don't think it's the Raiders. Um, I don't even think it's the Rams unless he signs another one year prove it deal. Um, that'd be the only type of, of way he stays. John Brown from the Cardinals, the wide receiver. Um, 
No, I think they pass on him as well. I think that he's a good down-the-field stretch guy. He can stretch the field quite a bit, but I think that they pass on him. I agree. Mr. Amos from the Bears. Mm, oh, man. I think that the Bears are going to want to sign him, re-sign him, even though they're kind of strapped for money. But uh, I'm going to say that he ends up staying in Chicago, so no. I think that he's gonna his agent's going to test the market because he knows the Bears are strapper cast, and you got teams like the Raiders, uh, like the Giants, like the Redskins, like the Packers. Um, those are teams that are going to need another safety, and I think he fits well with all of those teams. I could see him leaving, and I could see him playing for the Raiders. Trey Boston. No, no, I'll pass on him. I agree. And Muhammad Wilkerson from the Packers. And I, I'm hearing, just so you know, I'm hearing that they're they're working on a deal, another one-year deal, but right now he is still scheduled to be a free agent. Yeah, I think he ends up staying in Green Bay. Um, I, I, I kind of was intrigued by him when he was a member of the Jets, but uh, after he left and went to the Packers, uh, not that he did anything wrong, I just kind of feel like, all right, uh, that was then. I'm not really inter- in- interested in him now. I think that the Raiders can go and, and uh, increase that, that uh, D-line uh, through the draft and not have to worry about a free agent guy. I agree. I don't, I don't think he, he, he needs a, his former team, but I do think he'd be an excellent fit if he were to become available. So, man. Long show today. Big show. Had to split up into two shows for everybody. Yeah, lots of fun, man. Lots of fun. Uh, we always hammer these out, and, and, and they're very long, but they're very uh, fun. They're very informative. Uh, I know we get a lot of reaction on Twitter, and a lot of folks are feeling them, so definitely appreciate that. But, yeah, man, uh, any chance we get to talk some uh, some Raiders, man, you know I'm always down, and, and I know you're always down. And, hell, just to talk football in general, man, we're going to have to uh, link this thing up, and we're going to have to have a radio show and just do this on the daily. You know what I mean? I'm with it. If you haven't already heard, I don't know if you've heard them yet, but Nick Hamilton and Scott Winters, Silver and Black Turf, excellent show. They, they dropped another one, and man, that show is getting better and better each week. Same with Spinning Silver and Black with Anaya and Kaylin. Uh, Addison's dealing with some family stuff right now, so just, just keep him in our thoughts and prayers. Each week, and in fact, they both have really their last two shows, their last show for each of the shows, have been very good. If you haven't got a chance to download those, go back, uh, go ahead and download them, and and uh, continue to support what we're trying to build for you, Raider Nation. And, um, man, thank you for the support with our show. Next week, we'll still talk draft, but the NFL New Year starts and the tampering period starts, which means deals will be coming. You'll hear about them on the NFL Network. We'll dissect them right here on Q&A. Q, man, thank you so much for your time tonight, brother. Hey, no doubt, man. No doubt. It's always fun. And uh, like I said, man, we're going to continue to do this and, and do it on a more regular basis and, and continue to turn these episodes out. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. So on behalf of Q, I'm Joe. Thank you for tuning in to Q&A on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation.